Radio Influence. The future is now. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to the Wednesday edition of the Dark to Light podcast with... Pure Opelka's Mike Opelka. Ooh, and needs. <laughs> I had to throw out a little branding there because, you know, I live in many different places on this uh, thing we call the intertubes. And one of them is pureopelka.com and the other one is here with you. And then whatever radio stations I'm appearing on at any given day. Let me ask you something. I'm going to put you on the spot. Yeah. Have... Anybody has, do you know of anybody that didn't listen to the show before that is now listening because you were on it? Yeah. The dark to light podcast. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. I've, I've gotten text messages from people who go, who the, who the heck is this? And where did you find her? This is wonderful. Really? Uh, and does yeah. anybody hate me? No, my mechanic, uh, Jim, uh, who's the nicest guy. He's one of my golf buddies and he runs a, a great, uh, auto repair shop absolutely addicted to listen to podcasts and he's picked up on it. He's like, Hey, this is pretty cool. She sounds like she's pretty cool. And I said, yeah, she's very cool. Aww, thanks. Mike. So yeah. And several, uh, several of the people who follow me on the Twitters, um, the, those who are left because I was part of a, a lot of my following was part of the Twitter purge. Mm -hmm. So I'm down to like 23 or 24,000 people, but um, I do, retweet the dark to light podcast links and also have put uh, the link on the puropelka.com site when we put them up. So yeah, uh, we're trying to promote it here. I think we've made a lot of um, Opelka fans. Well, I, I appreciate the people who have been loyal to you and Frank and have been so welcoming to me. I'm sure there are several I've pissed off, but <laughs> You know, if you're if you're pleasing everyone, you're not trying hard enough. Damn right, baby. I think it's just hard, like when you're used to hearing something one way for years and then it changes overnight. It's just it's it's a little different for some people. But I've gotten so many amazing um, comments from folks. I send you a bunch of them. Yeah, you do. And it's it's a wonderful little ego vitamin. Not that I need them because, well, I'll take them. I could send you the bad ones, too, if you want I do. I love, we used to do a thing, um, and I think Dana Lash does it on her show. If she doesn't, she should revive it. But we used to do a thing on uh, TV in the early days of the FX network. Are you familiar with FX? Yes. When it first started, I was employee number 12 at FX um, way back in the 80s. And um, we created live shows every day. There were like 12 hours of live TV every day, and we called it TV Made Fresh Daily. And we had a show called Back Chat that was hosted by Jeff Probst of Survivor. Oh, yeah. And Jeff would read the mail that the network got, email and snail mail. And we would focus on the um, hate mail on an occasion and jail mail because you get a lot of mail from jail. Do from, you really? Oh, incarcerated letters are very funny, but you have to open them wearing gloves. Oh, because you don't know. Well, they can't get stuff out. Um, bodily fluids. Oh. Be used to write letters. We've learned that or we did learn oh. that. So, yeah. So FX was uh, a very different place than it is now. It was, uh, it had a morning show with Tom Bergeron. You know, Tom Bergeron. Yes. Dancing with the Stars. He's an old friend. I co-produced that show for a while. It had a collectible show that I created 
that actually got an Emmy nomination wow. and a Cable Ace nomination. And they had a music show that I created, had uh, a pet show that was on every day that would do a test drive on a, on a pet, you know, one variety of pet. It was a fascinating network that just didn't make it because everybody wanted to see MASH reruns and stuff. Well, so, so you have- want me to send you... The hate mail. The hate mail. Oh, I'm absolutely. I wonder if I can find one that we can read here live. I'm not above answering it personally either, because I think um, a conversation is always better than a slap. If I may. Yeah. Drag the current situation back. Like, for example, had Will Smith walked up on stage, put his arm around Chris Rock, turned him around away from the audience going, listen, we go way back. My wife has a condition that was really low, man. You please apologize. I, I think this whole thing would have been over by now. We wouldn't have Jim Carrey weighing in on it. We wouldn't have Amy Schumer trying to draw attention to herself by saying, I'm triggered by this. I'm triggered. <laughs> I, fa- I found one, Mike. I okay, found go. one, but it's against me. Do you want to hear it? I don't know if I do. Are wonton you- versus wonton. A wonton versus, oh, because uh, this is someone correcting a pronunciation (laughs) of yours? I love and appreciate your work, and I listen to Dark Delight all the time. Thank you. Could you please tell Tracy Beans how to pronounce wonton? Wonton. Wonton. I've heard her mispronounce it several times, like the Chinese noodles, wonton. Wonton. The noodles are wonton. Yes, I know. My intent is only to approve the show. Godspeed. (laughs) Oh, it's a... You we know, should start doing this. We see this is good stuff. Uh, this, uh, this is why we would read hate mail. And well, that wasn't hate mail. I love constructive criticism. Love it. Yeah. And you got to you gotta put a little sugar on it, people. That's what you, in order to get your point across, this is called diplomacy. You put a little sugar on it. So it's not like the time a date once said to me, you don't sweat much for a fat guy. <laughs> you know, it's just, it's, <laughs> I'm like, wait, what? Was that a compliment? Here we I'm, go. You ready? I'm not a fat guy, though, by the way. Here's yeah. one for you. <laughs> I sure miss Frank already. <laughs> I enjoyed hearing from him on Friday, but Michael Pelka comes across as an AM morning drive jock. I truly don't like his humor. I don't know Frank's situation, but he is missed. Try to stick to the news and digging into stories and limit the jokes by Michael Pelka if possible. Thanks, Tracy. Uh, what is this person's first name, please? Um, they did not share it. Oh, Eric. Eric, thank you for writing. Every voice is important. I'm a believer in free speech. The uh, license plate on my car for the last five years has been after one because my late father preached to all of his nine children that after the First Amendment, everything else is secondary. And I believe we all have a right and a responsibility to exercise Free speech. Now, your your astute analysis. I actually was part of the largest morning radio show in this country. I was part of the Wacky Morning Zoo in okay. New York City. It was the biggest stinking show on the planet. So my roots are there, and my roots are in comedy. I try to look to comedy, but I also have a very serious side. I worked at Blaze for six and a half years. I'm the guy who taught Glenn Beck about. Agenda 21. I'm the guy who broke the IRS uh, suppression of uh, conservatives and Tea Party groups nationally. The story has been credited 
by even uh, Huffington Post gave me credit for God's sakes. So I have journalism chops and I, um, I like laughing. So I hope you will maybe come over and enjoy that laughter can help get us through these difficult times. I but- agree. I think laughter can help us get through these difficult times. We'll pick one of these. We'll do a positive and a negative every day. How's that? That's fine. I kind of we don't have that many negatives. No, no, no. There, there's a few. There are. I think a lot of people don't like change, but a lot of people like, I just met someone named Christy last week who wanted me to tell you that she is, she loves you and she is very glad that you are with us and she's enjoying every show and she really, really wanted me to tell you that. Honestly. That's fine. That is, thank you, Christy. So we, there's we're a lot. Oh, the bigger tent. Yeah. Oh, this, it's really about, and that's kind of what libertarianism is libertarianism is you know it's there are conservative libertarians and there are liberal libertarians but it's all about we believe don't hurt people and don't take their stuff which was Matt Kibbe's great book explaining libertarianism small government big freedom that's kind of what we're all after all of us are yeah literally at least the ones who are here um speaking of which don't hurt people and don't take their stuff I have some clips to go through today today with you do they relate to um, not taking their stuff? Well, it all depends on your perspective. Does one of the people on the clips, does their name rhyme with Elizabeth Boren? No, okay. it's, not a, it's not a Elizabeth Boren clip. It's a clip out of the leaked Disney Corporation meeting. Oh, 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 oh I love this. Yes, yes, please. There are a few of them, actually. So... Yeah. As you know, nobody at Disney World has taken the time to. Okay, I'm not going to say it that way. As you know, everybody at Disney World is using the quote, don't say gay bill as a way to further propagandize kids and groom them, for lack of a better word. That's true. That's exactly correct. Not going to argue with that. Because nobody in there, nobody, nobody who, I think they've all read it and they're just seizing on this as a political opportunity to jam their ideology and their, what I think is very inappropriate behavior down your throat. So there's a meeting that went on with these Disney executives that I guess somebody with a conscience leaked. And we've got some clips. This is Disney corporate president, Carrie Burke. You ready for this? I am. Here is a mother of of two queer children, actually, Um, uh, one transgender child um, um, and one pansexual child. Um, I'm just going to stop it for a second. Why do they all sound the same, Mike? um, They they sing from the same songbook. They do sound the same. And they also they also do mirror each other. Their voices have the same cadence. Mm -hmm. It's all terrible. Okay, here we go. And, and also as a leader. Um, and that was the thing that really got me because I have heard so much from so many of my colleagues over the course of the last couple of weeks um, in open forums and through emails and phone conversations. And um, I feel a responsibility to speak, um, not just for myself, but for them, uh, to all of us. We, we, had a, we had an open forum last week at 20th where um, again, the home of, of really incredible, groundbreaking LGBTQIA stories over the years where um, one of our execs stood up and said, you know, we only have a handful of queer leads in our content. And I went, what? I, that can't be true. And I, and, I, and I realized, oh, 
It, it actually is true. We have many, many, many LGBTQIA characters in our stories, and 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 yet we don't have enough leads um, and narratives in which gay characters just just get to be characters um, and and not have to be about gay stories. And so um, that's been very eye opening for me. Um, and, and I, I can tell you, um, it's something that I feel perhaps had this moment not happened. Um, I, as a leader and me, as my colleagues would not have focused on and, and going forward, um, I, I certainly will be more so I know that we will be. And, um, and I hope this is a moment where shoot, oh, um, the 50% of the tears, <laughs> sorry, are <laughs> coming, um, uh, we don't, we just don't allow each other to go backwards. I, you left out the most important part. Which was 50%? No, 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 no. The, the song they sang right after it. What was it? That's for Eric. What, um, <laughs> what, um, what is she, what is she, she, first of all, she's saying, I wonder what, oh God, there's so much here, uh, what, Mike. What's going on here is uh, what they're doing is the same thing the NFL is doing with this quota. Yes. They're going to mandate quotas of how many gay people are in the Disney productions. And she's saying we don't have enough LGBTQIA leads. She's saying there aren't enough characters that are lead characters. And I thought art reflected society, not society uh, reflecting art. The art is not reflecting society. If we engineer the sexuality and or gendering of the characters. And I'm married to a soap opera writer, somebody who writes brilliant storylines, who has one of them fancy golden statues from the Emmys and the, the writer's guild. And what she has taught me is that it's about the story. It's not about imposing your will and or your beliefs on the story. It's about the story that people will attach to. I, can you imagine if we're going to now go back and someone's going to say, I will put up money so we can regender or reorient, sexually orient all the classic films. Let's start with Casablanca and then Citizen Kane. Oh, while you're at it, do the the Potemkin. Yeah, I, I don't think that's ever going to work. This this next one, hold on. This next one is from Latoya Ravenue or Ravenaw, N-E-A-U, says her team has implemented a, quote, not at all secret gay agenda and is regularly adding queerness to children's programming. I'm going to play it, but before I do, I just want to tell you that any, like, person who happens to be gay, who has lived long enough to live through the 80s and 90s, will tell you that the word queer is taken to them as a derogatory slur. Yeah, I, I was going to say, at what point, they keep changing the language, which is one of the things that bothers me. I worked with RuPaul, and Ru got all upset because the community, the overlords of the gay community, told him, or Rue, we, we never gendered him, but he was a man who dressed as a woman. Rue used to like to call people who dressed 
as women, men who dress as women, trannies. And he was told he can't use that term anymore. And so this is one of the things that really gets me. Where, where are the lines and why do the lines keep changing and why? And who's in charge? Is there a dictionary? Uh, and I'm, I'm exaggerating to clarify that this whole thing is, is a mess. And I don't think they themselves know. But where are we going with this one? Um, this is, you just, you just sidetracked me to something else. Sorry. Being that, no, 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 it's good because I, I came across this yesterday and I want to play it for you. Because it, it exemplifies exactly what you just said. They can't even keep track of it themselves at this point, which is why this clip from TikTok is important, in my opinion. I'm playing it off of Twitter, not TikTok. But I just want to show it to you because this person is is literally with their face painted as a clown. OK, mm-hmm. and this is what they're saying. So, of course, we have he, him, his, himself, and they, them, theirs, themselves. And then we also have voy, voy. Void, 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 void self, and ender, enders, and ender self. Death, 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 death self. Pix, pixel, pickles, pix, pixel, pixels, pixel self. Vile, vile, vile. This is a woman or something who is trying to explain its pronouns and can't even keep them straight because they've created so many that don't make any sense. This is a mental illness. This is not, this is a mental yeah. illness. You know, we need to also create a radio station that will um, fix all the songs. You know, um, Helen Reddy, I am they hear me roar. Yeah. When a they loves a them, W-O-K-E radio with all the woke remastered classic hits. W-O-K-E. <laughs> it's so amazing. What were those... What were some of those pronouns she was talking about? Was there a death? Death, yeah. Mur- that just, so death is a pronoun now. Yeah, they've created death. Yes. Here's here's um Latoya. There has been, it's like, I love Disney's content. I grew up watching, you know, all of the classics. They have been a huge, like, informative <laughs> part of my life. But at the same time, like, I worked at small studios most of my career, and I'd heard, you know, hear whispers. Like, I, I'd heard things like, oh, you know, they won't let you show this at a Disney show. And I'm like, okay. So I was a little, like, sus when I started. And, but then my experience was bafflingly the opposite of what I had heard. On my little pocket of, like, you know, Proud Family, Disney TVA, um, the showrunners were super welcoming. Meredith Roberts and, like, the, the our leadership over there has been so welcoming to like my like not at all secret gay agenda and so like i i feel like i felt like it was i mean like maybe it was that way in the past but i guess like something must have happened in the last like like they're turning it around they're going hard and then all that like momentum that i felt like that sense of i don't have to be afraid to like let's have these two characters kiss let's in the background like i was just Wherever I could, just basically adding queerness to, like, the, if you see anything queer in the show, I'm proud of them. But, like, I, I just was like, no one would stop me. And no one- like, 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 uh, like. Judge Judy would say, stop using like, madam. The problem with this is, is that it's not new. Don't you remember, like, all of the things that used to come out about Disney hiding things in the backgrounds, like the word sex and penises and all kinds of stuff? Well, then one of those DVDs had um, on the cover or the laser disc. It was a laser disc for maybe Aladdin or something. It had a giant penis on the 
in the animation. And it was there. You could see it. It's not. It, this has been going on with Disney for a very long time, and I'm just glad. But this is open indoctrination. This isn't a subliminal issue um, images hidden. This is open indoctrination. And if we are to give them their due, you know, if you were to say, okay, um, let's get the exact total of the breakdown demographically of society, of America, and how many people, what percentage of Americans qualify for any of those LGBTQ or STVU, it is less than 5%, probably less than 3%. Well, then you have to say, okay, that's how many, that's the percentage you can have of lead characters. The problem with that, Mike, is that as per school numbers now, and, and because we have all of these teachers who have decided that it's their job to sexually groom children, we have now some a stat came out of a, I guess it was, I don't know what state it was, where 20 or 30% or 25 of 28 students in the class identified as not their given gender or an alternative sexual preference. It was a teacher who claimed that 20 of her 32 students were uh, LGBTQ or STVU or whatever it is. And, And who knows? And people can make stats up out of whole cloth when no one's saying, okay, um, show us the statistics. But yeah. But they won't because they're, how dare you bring up facts when the feelings are, are in play here. The, um, the, the kindergarten teacher, do you have that clip? The one that said that she's not going to follow no. the law? No, I don't. This, what, is what? A, this is a kindergarten teacher who was on MSNBC yesterday talking about the Florida bill. And, oh, uh, yes. The guy who who was upset that he couldn't talk about his sexual partner anymore. Yeah. Couldn't couldn't talk about uh, going paddle boarding with his partner anymore because this is uh, this is the problem. I, I might have it here if you'd like to hear it. I would like to. OK, this happened. Uh, kindergarten teacher Corey Bernard telling uh, Yasmin Vesuvian is one of my favorite names on cable TV, on MSNBC. I have a child in kindergarten right now. I know exactly that my my child has two teachers, one of which has a daughter at home um, and is single. The other is married and has four children. I I know everything about their lives because my kid tells me. Absolutely. You are 100% correct. Um, That's what we do as educators. We build relationships with our kids. And in order to build relationships, you talk about your home life. You talk about what you do on the weekends. That's building community. So never mind that we want you to just teach the kids maybe reading and writing and a little arithmetic. And if they're kindergartners, we teach them not to slap each other like Will Smith when you tell a bad joke. But he's got more to say. It scares me that I'm not going to be able to have these conversations with my children because they're going to ask me what I did on the weekend. I don't. Now, did you notice the phrasing? Scares him to death. No, my children. Oh, yes. yes. Not my students, my children. They assume that these kids are theirs. It goes back to the Melissa Harris Perry clip from six or seven years ago where she said, your kids don't belong to you anymore. They belong to us. But he's got more to say. I want to have to hide that my partner and I went paddle boarding this weekend because mm-hmm. then they ask, well, what does partner mean, Mr. Bernard? And, you know, I, I'm worried. Can I tell them what it means? Do you think they're going to ask uh, about the partner or tell us about paddle boarding? Uh, look, 
this is what I, I have a couple things here, Mike. Number one, when I was going to school, if I would have come home and said to my mom, Mrs. Geiger sleeps with men and she, I had no idea. I had no clue if she was married, if she wasn't, if she was dating, if she wasn't, if she was having an affair. The problem is that these teachers, in quotes, they're obtaining some sort of emotional gratification from the acceptance of toddlers. That's true. These are uh, socially retarded individuals, in my opinion. People like this Corey Bernard are not able to function in normal adult society So they have to have this power trip over children that also lets them inflict their indoctrination on them. Yeah, it's like it's like I would be so it would kill me if I couldn't come in and talk about how I just say you went freaking paddleboarding with your friend. That's all. If you need to share your personal life with your children. Freaking ridiculous. It, It is. It's absolutely insane. But then so they go from that environment, kindergarten back to Disney where they, Disney is now engineering the back end of production to match their belief of what society should be, which is everybody's gay and nobody's got a gender. It's a, you don't want that gender that was assigned to you by the government at birth. Yeah, and, and now scream about science again for me. Tell me about science. Yeah, this is Ron DeSantis on Tucker last night reacting to all of this, this stuff we've just played. Carrie Burke. I have to ask you, since you're on the topic of Disney, Journalist Chris Rufo has really done a lot, has just obtained a video of an all-hands meeting at Disney. The meeting was in response to the legislation you signed in Florida. Here is Disney corporate president, Carrie Burke. Watch this. I'm here as a mother of, of two queer oh, children, play actually. Um, uh, one transgender child um, um, and one pansexual child. Um and, and also as a leader, many, many, many LGBTQIA characters in our stories. And, and, and yet we don't have enough leads um, and narratives in which gay characters just, just get to be characters um, and, and not have to be about gay stories. So I don't understand why an entertainment company that makes animated movies gets to control legislation in your state. Well, especially, Tucker, you got to wonder, like, why is the hill to die on to have transgenderism injected into kindergarten classrooms or woke gender ideology injected into second grade classroom? Why is that the hill to die on? Meanwhile, if we had done a bill that prohibited uh, talking about the abuse of Uyghurs in China, Disney would have supported that legislation because they don't want to say a word about that. So it's just an odd manifestation of their corporate values that they actually do Disney cruises, Tucker, to the nation of Dominica, which criminalizes homosexuality. So they're fine doing that and lining their pockets. They're fine lining their pockets from the CCP and all the atrocities that go on there. But it's those kindergartners in Florida that they really want to have transgenderism uh, as part of their core curriculum in school. It's it's just absurd. He's so good. And his people pull the right research for him. That is that is really a well-structured brief response to that argument. Um, did you also have the Disney training session hidden audio of the um, removal of boys and girls and moms and dads, ladies and gentlemen? No. Okay, so the parks reopen, right? 
and they made some changes when the parks reopened after the COVID-1984 virus. Uh, and here's a, a short, very short clip from another one of these Disney. All This was Disney World and Disneyland, all hands on deck training session. But we brought the fireworks back to the Magic Kingdom. We no longer say, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we say dreamers of all ages. We don't want to just assume because someone might be um, in, in our interpretation, maybe presenting as female, that they may not want to be called princess. So why can't we say, ladies and gentlemen, moms and dads, boys and girls, and dreamers of all ages? No, we have to exclude. And it is engineering. This is social yeah. engineering. Yeah, it's the same way that they've, they've, they've done this elsewhere. Like, this isn't the first rodeo for them. Like, now they did this first, Mike, to men. If you were a man, you were bad. Well, look at, look at, just watch a couple hours of TV commercials. Men are stupid. Wherever we go, we're stupid. I want to say again to my audience, I say this whenever we get onto this topic, because I, I, I firmly believe that this all began with radical feminism. And then they just kept capitalizing on it for a new victim group or class. I love men so much. I love masculine men. I love men that open up a door for me. I love men who compliment me and tell me I'm beautiful. I love men who don't want me to lift something heavy because they don't want me to hurt myself. I love watching men's sports where men get all sweaty and gross. I don't want to get sweaty and gross. I'm a woman. I believe that I belong in the kitchen making dinner for my husband. Okay. Mm, that sounds good. I do. I take those roles very seriously. But see, the radical feminists don't want you to have that choice. That's the argument. These are the people who tell us that they believe in choice when it comes to eliminating a baby from inside a woman's uh, mm. womb. But they don't want you to have any choice outside of the playbook that they are passing out. If my, my, my husband is drinking a beer and I see he's getting close to the end, he has a new one in his hand before he can blink. God, you are fabulous. It's just the way it should be. No, that see, but that's everyone's opportunity and everyone's choice and everyone's relationship, but it doesn't have to be force-fed. No. And the radical feminist who did get considerable power and considerable sway from the 70s, 80s, and 90s are now facing the backlash because the trans community is uh, removing them. Yep. They're cutting them out completely. Look at sports. Yep. And the, the Leah Thomas situation has brought it all forward that the girls are being pushed out because of the trans thing. And it's just not fair. And they're the ones who always talk about fairness. We are going to shift gears, Mike. All right. Something big is coming. Uh, uh, your birthday? Not well, that's in July. Okay. This is the, what it is. So you know all about January 6th and how there, you know, we talked the other day about how there's a very big parallel between the Whitmer case and the January 6th stuff that's going on right now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of, um, there was a lot of shenanigans and sneaky Pete stuff going on inside both the Whitmer alleged kidnapping case and what the Democrats think happened on January 6th. Politico has an article that came out yesterday. Feds prepare, quote, disclosure on figure at heart of pro-Trump January 6th conspiracy theory. This is the John Lott um, research that I was mentioning on Monday. I don't believe this is this is Ray Epps. OK, but is it not? Does he I think he quotes the John Lott documents. I'm just saying it could be. But continue. Carry on, madam. I'm in. OK. 
The Justice Department is compiling information to share with defendants about Ray Epps, an Arizona man who has been the focus of January 6th conspiracy theories pushed by former President Donald Trump, his allies in Congress and right wing media figures. There is no need for a disclosure on someone who isn't a a a, a fed. OK, yeah. they would just say, no, he doesn't work for us and he never has. Ray Epps was there the night before caught on camera telling people on camera that they need to storm the Capitol building and go into the Capitol building. And everyone in that crowd was saying, fed, fed. Nobody was agreeing with him. He was so overt with it. It was almost ridiculous. And then he was there in in many key positions that day, that day, up close and personal. He's on film. He's got a bullhorn. He seems to be directing the crowd There's a lot around this guy. So finally, after it was pushed and pushed and Revolver News did a lot of great work on this, he has not faced any charges. But a citizen journalist who went and questioned him got a visit from the FBI, Mike. So the citizen journalist got a visit by the FBI. Uh, The first person convicted of of anything involved with January 6th was the grandmother, I think, from Indiana, who got convicted of parading and she has to do like 53 hours of community service. But this guy who was there the night before extorting people, not and extolling them, not extorting, uh, extolling them to take action. And then with a bullhorn the day of, he's never even been arrested or interrogated. No. And whenever anybody asks the FBI whether or not this man has been is on their payroll or in their employ, they have deferred the question and not said we can't talk about sources and methods instead of just coming out and saying, no, he's not. So the January 6th committee had come out months ago and made a statement about Ray Epps. As a matter of fact, it was King Jr. who did it. And he said something to the effect of, because I don't have it in front of me, this is just a baseless conspiracy theory. This poor man, Ray Epps, who is being blamed for all these things. They took him on like they took on Alexander Vindman. (laughs) By the way, I think you um, mispronounced a name there. I don't want you to get another letter. Kinzinger? Uh, It's Kinzinger, but um, it's pronounced shithead. Oh, sorry, sorry. Okay, just I'll do it from... From now on, the right way. Sorry, Eric. I didn't know he was related to Adam Schiff. Schiff for brains, right? Yeah. yeah. So, so the the attorneys, some of the defense attorneys in these January six cases, have been pounding, wanting information about this guy for the very reasons that you'd think. If this man was there, and if there was an operation, much like the Whitmer operation, to entrap, for lack of a better word, people. On January 6th, don't you think that plays a very big role in what this whole thing is all about? It's a huge, huge issue, and it should be given a lot of attention. But we know the mainstream media will push this to the very, very back. And only people um, like this is Politico. And who else did the good reporting on it? You said Uh, Revolver News has done absolutely stellar reporting. So all of this needs to be mainstream, but it won't be. So we have to keep pushing it. Carping about it. Yeah. At a court hearing on Tuesday, Politico says Rochlin, the prosecutor handling one of the Capitol riot conspiracy cases, said the government was preparing something aimed at satisfying the requests from defense attorneys about apps. What so I can. How, how about we don't satisfy, but how about we actually investigate and pursue charges against somebody who really probably should have been in 
the DC gulag all they, this done. They can't do that if he was doing it at the behest of the FBI. That's true. Because he would spill his beans. Well, because he can't be he can't be prosecuted for something that he was doing while working for the FBI, in quotes. They can't oh. So what are we betting here? Are we betting that he's going to say he was a confidential informant who was inside acting on behalf of the FBI? I don't know. He says, the attorney says, the U.S. attorney says, what I can tell the court is that the U.S. attorney's office has been working on a disclosure pertaining to Mr. Epps, and they need a couple of weeks to be able to do it. If there's nothing on Mr. Epps and he's just a normal citizen, the way you people have crammed down our throats for a year, then why in the hell do you need more time to work on some disclosure? The answer is very simple. No, he didn't work for us. They are, um, they're focus grouping their, their um, release. They're putting it out there and testing it. They're, they're crafting Whatever they're going to put out there. This is just, this is so disgusting. These people have been locked away for a year now, over a year now. No L- due process. No, no due process. Right. Treated like absolute animals. No rights. Segregated. Solitary confinement. The atrocities are too many to even go into at this point. Lives forever ruined. And well, I- uh, and probably their their financial lives as well as their personal lives ruined because if somebody goes where where have you been for the last year and a half um, in jail uh, DC oh really were you working not really working at staying alive yeah it's crazy and uh, I just I I'm fearful of what these people are going to try and do this summer when they do the primetime televised hearings. I, I- you know what? Honestly, they they this needs to be stopped. Like this whole thing is a sham. Did you see Dan Scavino is now they're saying they're going to refer him for criminal contempt as well? Yeah, I think uh, the the one good thing about this is Dan Scavino smarter than all of them. That's for sure. And and so um, he can he can handle it. But it's going they're going to do what they did to General Flynn. They're going to try and bankrupt them by pursuing legal action that will force Dan and others like him to get attorneys. I'm going to tell you something. Do you know General Flynn is also being completely badgered by these people? They, I read what their subpoena requested of General Flynn on air. It, it was absolutely absurd. Well, it's a giant a net that's being cast, as, as we learned last week through your reporting about what happened to Steve Bannon's attorney, and how they dragged other people into this who have absolutely zero connection to it other than a similar last name. So it, it is being exposed for what it is, but only by people on the exterior of the media. You, you are one of the rare individuals covering this. There's only a few people that are talking about this stuff. It's starting to become more accepted. And you know what? I always get like, well, um, this used to be a point of contention for me, and it's getting easier because the more people realize like, oh, well, there's the source of that. But this happens is like you 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 talk about something and then it all of a sudden becomes OK and safe to talk about. And then everybody else starts talking about it. And you're over in the corner like I've been screaming about this for a year. You're not you're, you're like it, it. People rely on you to break the ice. And then when it's safe, they come out to play and they take all the credit. And it's okay. It is what it is because I argue all the time without all of us out here breaking the ice first, it would never gain mainstream acceptance, which is why I asked you to send that column to, to, to Thomas Massey. 
because it needs to get in front of good people who are going to do something about it. I did send it to him. I know he's um, he's up to his neck in a uh, pursuit of um, uh, this. Well, he was grilling an FBI guy yesterday over the use of that Israeli spyware. Yes. That we paid five million dollars for. But uh, we we told people we paid Israel five million dollars, but we were just testing it. You know, you can get a sample copy of almost any software program. It doesn't have all the bells and whistles enabled. But for us to pay five million dollars to test the program and then say we didn't use it. That's what uh, Congressman Massey's knee deep in right now. He retweeted you. Oh, of course he did. He's the best. With the story. But um, yeah, so that's fine. I mean, I get it. There's a lot of things going on. That's not what I'm saying. But, you know, separately from that, like there's so much else happening right now. Like Ron Johnson and Chuck Grassley did a presentation in front of the Senate about Hunter and Joe Biden's ties to the CCP and said within the next couple of days, they're going to be releasing a ton of information in regards to all of that. And then something nobody has really talked about, but I read the report on and haven't gotten a chance to dig in too much to, is the absolute disgusting fraud, waste, and abuse of billions of dollars of COVID relief money. Oh, you can't even, uh, you can't even wrap your head around how big this is. From the PPP program to some of the other programs that are tied into it, the billions and billions and billions. If we did $900 billion dollars in COVID relief and PPP, 90 billion of that was abused. At, at least. least 10%. Yeah. And God knows how much we went to Africa and China to uh, scammers and swindlers. And, uh, you know, both sides have guilt on yep. this. Yep. We, we voted this massive trillions and trillions of dollars in, in payments through because we were all buying into the paranoia and, and other nope. countries were not shutting down. But yeah, that. That's huge. Um, The IG assigned to this, they had to make a whole big team, obviously, to try and have some oversight, which I argue they should have done first. Like, what the hell, man? Seriously. Anyway, that team in and of itself is costing tens of millions of dollars. Of course. You know, the the only people that win on this are the lawyers. We keep having to hire more. And uh, Mm -hmm. speaking of hiring more, um, can we pivot? Yeah. Okay, Elizabeth Warren yesterday was on MSNBC, and um, I happened to, uh, no, she was on CNBC, I'm sorry. And I happened to tune in because um, she has a tendency to say really idiotic things. But I think we're starting to figure out what what they, the Democrats, are up to with this billionaire tax. And um, I don't like it. This confiscation plan is massive. Um, Can we do a little back and forth on this? Yes, please. Okay, here we go. It's just a crazy idea, practically. I mean, I think of, you know, stocks that I've owned from Fortress to Galaxy. Oh, first of all, I I started with the second clip. This Elizabeth Warren listening to a Democrat billionaire who's talking about Joe Biden's billionaire tax. So this is a billionaire who happens to be a Democrat who's saying that this is a bad idea. You know, we've had wild volatility. I mean, there were times of, you know, you declared my income at the end of the year and I had to pay 20% on that, I'd be bankrupt within six months because the stock fell so much. Uh, You know, it makes no sense. People don't have, the difference between liquidity and paper wealth is at times gigantic. Um, And so I think it's just practically, you know, an impossible idea. 
What do you think? So they look at Elizabeth Warren. You know, first I want to say, try explaining to a public school teacher who's just trying to pay for childcare and make it to the end of the month or to somebody who's working minimum wage, that the difference between liquidity and paper wealth is just enormous. You know, the, the provisions that the White House has put forward give a long period for smoothing this out. They don't just say you have to pay every penny right at the end of the year. They've actually worked out an account for volatility. What this is really about is whether or not people who are making their income by the appreciation of stocks or other investments should have to pay something to make this country run. So what the plan is, and they're not hiding it, I've got another clip here, is the idea is that every year and maybe every quarter, and I'm thinking ultimately every month, they're going to look at your assets, not just the money you make from your work, but they're going to look at your assets. you got 100 shares of Apple that you bought in uh, 1988 or 1990 that are now worth 4,000 times what you paid for them. You're going to have to pay taxes on that because they see that as wealth, even if you haven't sold it. And this is a confiscation beyond anyone's wildest dreams. This is a redistribution of wealth through these financial haircuts, and they're trying to tax wealth. And just think how much Elizabeth Warren gets excited, how all worked up she gets when she thinks real estate values have gone up 100% in two years in some parts of the world, of the country. And we could tax all of the profits, unrealized gains right now if yeah. we push this through. But the reason for that increase, it would just be bursting the bubble if she yeah. did. Like, she, she doesn't, either she has zero understanding of how the economy works at all, or she's doing it on purpose because they want us to be in a, in a perpetual state of actual, like, financial despair. Well, that's probably both. Both can be true at the same time. And in her case, yes. Um, do you have time? Do we have time to do a little bit more with Elizabeth Warren? Because it's really irritating me. Yeah. Okay. Robert Frank, thank you for that. Uh, we're going to continue this conversation. Joining us right now for more on Biden's uh, new budget and billionaires tax. Uh, joining us is Democratic Senator Elizabeth Warren of Massachusetts. She serves on several committees, including banking, finance and armed services. Senator, thank you for joining us. I'd start with this. Just how realistic do you think any of this is, uh, given that a number of tax proposals and other things that have been uh, uh, have been put on the table before haven't haven't happened? So I love the fact that this guy goes, hey, what are you smoking, lady? None of the other proposals have come up. This one's wilder, basically, is what he's saying. And here's how my buddy Rich calls her America's mother-in-law. Here's how she explains it. I think that we have a fundamental question that we're going to address in the 2022 elections, for example. And that is, we just heard Senator Toomey say, once again, that if the Republicans can get in power, they want to raise taxes on all of America, on working families in America, on half of people. They want to raise taxes on people who are living on Social Security, people who are making minimum wage, people who are in the working class. What Democrats are saying is that we've got a plan to try to raise taxes on the millionaires and billionaires, the people at the top. So, But that is raising taxes on us. 
Yeah, but she, she's saying that to me, and I don't think Toomey came out and said, hey, we're going to tax, we're going to raise tax on people in Social Security. I think Toomey talked about fairness and maybe uh, fixing the tax code, but this is about separating us. This is what the, the fear is coming up. Nancy Pelosi said yesterday that our democracy itself is on the ballot if the Democrats lose the House. Oh, yeah. Wow, and, wow, wow. Yeah, I, well, that's where the, this is about fear and division, but here's where she gets into it. By talking about the uh, separating us. Remember, John Edwards tried this, too, when he was saying uh, the uh, two Americas. Who are not even paying taxes at the same rate as everyone else. Our tax system is badly broken. Duh. And it's broken because it makes an underlying assumption that everybody just kind of earns money in the same way. And if you tax, all that matters is what's the marginal rate on the highest income earners. But now... When we've got so many billionaires who have all of this huge unrealized gain in stock and they manage to live massively lavish lifestyles and? without ever paying anything or paying only a small amount in federal income taxes, we can't keep that up. Well, I have an idea. Stop yeah. spending, you little bitch. Yeah, this is, they completely look away from the fact that they have a spending problem and start looking for people who they are jealous of. And let's see, who writes the tax laws? Would that be Congress? Would that be the House and, and the Senate? The president yeah. isn't supposed to be formulating a budget. Congress no. is. Right, but they can't because they're busy doing stuff like this and coming up with a plan. And now I just want people to understand if you have envy of billionaires, and a lot of people do, I don't. I don't begrudge them. Even if they inherited it and then managed to keep it or grow it. I love fun. billionaires. I think they're great. I'm fond of them. I'd like to know a few more um, and, and pick up the crumbs after them. But the reality here is this will affect everybody. There are how many billionaires do you think there are in America? Probably 10 or so. There are 730. Wow. Billionaires. Billionaires. Yeah. Billionaires. Wow. Billionaires. And of the 730 current billionaires, that goes up and down about 20 or 30, depending on what the market is doing. Um, we have the highest per capita concentration of billionaires of any country on the planet. There are a couple others that, have, like China, passed us at one point, but they've shrunk down a little bit. But you have 730 billionaires. Even if you took half of everything they had, you still wouldn't have enough money to fix the spending problem that these dolts have. Especially with the with the... I mean, we just talked about COVID relief, for goodness sakes. Yeah. Yeah, we have no, they have no idea. They have no concept of reality. We're letting people who have a $30 trillion debt dictate to us how to spend our money. And there seems to be a little contradiction with reality there. But the, the deal here is in that $5.8 trillion budget that Biden is pushing forward is, is that Again, request for 87,000 new IRS agents. <laughs> 730 billionaires don't need 87,000 IRS agents. Right. Them around. Right. So that tells you they've got plans to do something else with those 87,000. Even if you gave them 10, right? Even if you put 10 IRS agents on every billionaire, so follow them around, get some money out of them. You'd still have 80,000 that you could assign to other issues like going after people who aren't billionaires and looking at taxing other things. 
this is a really disturbing idea. Now, thankfully, this morning we got the news that Joe Manchin said he's not on board with the billionaire tax, but they're going to push back on that. We can close out with this, which I think really rounds it up. It's a Gallup poll, uh, Mike. In the, right. in the U.S., life ratings dropped to 13 a 13-month low. The percentage of Americans who evaluate their lives well enough to be considered thriving on Gallup's live evaluation index was 53% in February, the lowest since January 2021. Um, the most recent results, which were captured between February 15th to 23rd, are based on 208,049 U.S. adults surveyed by Webb um, as a part of a panel, which is a probability-based non-opt-in panel of 115,000 adults across all 50 states and D.C., So the thriving rate has plummeted for Republicans and independents. Pause it it for one second, please. Pause it? Pause it. All right. I'm kind of upset you made me pause it. I'm sorry. (laughs) They've suddenly combed out over the neighborhood, and they they don't pay attention to the sign that says no solicitation. No, no, no. Nobody knows why I paused it. I wanted you to tell everybody. (laughs) Do you want me to tell everybody? <laughs> All right, so let me know when you're rolling. I'm rolling right now. <laughs> hold on a second, Tracy. Hold, 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 hold. Pause it for one second, okay? Again? <laughs> I, I was explaining. I was recreating. Oh, no. oh, sorry, sorry. Tracy, can you pause it for just one second? Yes, hold on. All right, tell us why, Mike. You had me pause the show. I had two Jehovah's Witnesses walking up my front walk, and they don't take no for an answer. Even when I played the old joke, (laughs) you know, the old joke. No, I'm worried about telling it because I don't want to tick off Eric. All right. It was, uh, you know, um, I I, I said, I'm Italian. I don't like any witnesses, even Jehovah's Witnesses. (laughs) Anyway, sorry. I had to do that. I shushed them away, but uh, they'll probably come back. They're relentless. Well, we're almost done. So you'll be on your own then. Oh, God. Here we go. Yep. So basically, Republicans thriving rate has declined significantly. But now the Democrats thriving rate is also declined significantly. And the stress rate in this country is at the highest point since December of 2020. So you also mentioned in their independence. Yep. And the, the reality of independent numbers uh, crashing has got to be worrisome to the Democrats and uh, to to the House Democrats, especially even though AOC came out today and and she's trying to be positive, but she's also warning that there are major concerns for that party and their control of the House. But it's all about stress and the economy. And we don't have confidence in the current leadership right now. No, nobody does. Not even the Democrats themselves. Mm. Mike? Yes? We've been doing the podcast today. You guys out there have been listening to the Dark Delight podcast with... The very serious Mike Opelka. <laughs> and Beans. You can hear us every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 2.30 Eastern on TuneIn, Stitcher, Apple, iTunes, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and RadioInfluence.com. We will be back here on Friday. This is an MMA report with Jason Floyd and Daniel Galvan Quick Fix on Radio Influence.
Bellator Bantamweight Grand Prix bracket was revealed last week. Of course, uh, it was revealed last week. Sergio Pettis uh, is out of this tournament. He announced on his Instagram, didn't, didn't go into details on what the injury is, but said that he's going, he's had, sur- he's had, if not, he's, if he's not had surgery, it will be having surgery out six to nine months, which I think we can kind of probably put two and two together. What that is. Yeah. ACL probably that, that to, to me, the two things that popped out to me was it's a knee injury or a shoulder injury. Yeah, I, uh, it sucks, man. It just sucks. You literally took out the best fight in the tournament. Yeah, and, and uh, you know, one of the you know honest criticisms I did see with him being out of this tournament is it, it takes away a little bit of luster. And I think that is a honest criticism of what this tournament is. But when I look at the fighters who are in this tournament, this is still a good bantamweight tournament. And, and look, I'm not trying to, you know, be a shill for Bellator. I'm just giving you my honest opinion. I still think this is a very good tournament. It's a massive blow that you lost Sergio Pettis. Losing James Gallagher, eh, it's not a big blow in my mind. Yeah, But, I mean, but, Jack, yeah. but if you look at the bracket... To me, it tells me they're going to do James Gallagher and Leandro Higo. The MMA Report with Jason Floyd and Daniel Galvan can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Podcasts, and RadioInfluence.com.